God has been active, uh, especially especially recently, and um, there's been a lot of things going on. And how many of you were either here last week or you watched online last week? You, in other words, how many of you heard Pastor Sean's message from last week? This is a really, really significant thing that we are getting ready to embark upon, this 100-day dare. Um, I believe it's a milestone for the church. I believe that it is 100% straight from God, a, a plan and a purpose that God has for us. And so God has been speaking um, to Pastor Sean uh, about direction and vision and purpose for this next year coming up. But God has also been speaking to the body at the same time. Because how many of you guys know this? This is true, and this is a powerful truth. The cross of Christ split history and changed everything. And when we move beyond that to the day of Pentecost, when we see the Holy Spirit coming, that further... uh, emphasized that change. And there was, a, there was a time before Jesus came that you had to go to the temple. And then when the cross came and the day of Pentecost came, you are the temple. And God dwells in you and God speaks to you. And so we're going to do something really special today. Uh, Pastor Sean and his family and uh, many other people with the same last name as him are on a really special trip this week, uh, sharing Thanksgiving together. It's, a, it's kind of a one-of-a-kind sort of a thing. But Pastor Sean asked some, some different people here in Journey Church to come up and just share what God has been speaking to them. And I think you're going to find that this is really powerful, and you're going to see a thread of continuity from person to person as you hear from their hearts what God's been speaking to them. So what I want to do right now is invite uh, these people to come on up, and I'll tell you a little bit about them uh, as they come. So if you're speaking, go ahead and come on up here. So that's right. Come on up. Yeah, go ahead and give them a round of applause. You're going to hear themes today on uh, love, on restoration, on renewal, and on uh, surrender, and you're going to hear a continuous uh, connection uh, of the voice of God speaking to these people. So I want to tell you a little bit about who we've got with us today, Uh, starting over here, Andrew Powell. How many of you guys were at our, our marriage event? A few, yes. So you guys have already gotten a little bit of a taste of Andrew's uh, unique public speaking ability, and you're going to get a little bit more of that today, and God has shared something powerful with him, but Andrew and his wife, Michaela, <clears throat> help with our marriage ministry here at Journey Church, and they're plugged in in a lot of other ways, too. And then uh, also, uh, Andy and Nina Jarrett, I was sharing a little bit last night um, before I turned the mic over about how uh, Andy and Nina lead a real-life group here at Journey, and it's been going for a little while now, maybe a couple years? Three years. And so the reason that's, one of the reasons that's really significant to me is they used to be a part of our real life group. And whenever you have a healthy group, 
you hit a, a, a difficult juncture where you have to be able to release healthy, powerful leaders to go off and start their own group. And that was hard for us to release Andy and Nina to do that, but it's been such a God thing and such a good thing because God is using them, and that's a really great group. And then we have Gary and Kelly Poole. If you have been uh, to our um, First Steps for New Believers class, Gary and Kelly lead that along with Tom and Karen West, and that is a, it's a foundational class because it's about foundations. And so they cover, they take anybody who's like, I'm here, I'm new to this whole thing, I don't quite understand everything that's going on, what does this mean in the Bible, what is this? And they take people through all of the fundamental, foundational aspects of following Jesus, and it's absolutely a critical thing. And then you may have also seen them uh, as you walk in the door, because they're on our greeter team, and, and, uh, and they have happy, smiling faces. And then, uh, last of all, Dr. Richard Poor. He and uh, his wife, Jenny, lead our 50-plus ministry and our 50-plus real-life group. So that is a ministry that is geared to anybody 50 years or plus. And uh, it's a powerful uh, ministry that uh, serves a really powerful purpose. And I won't go too far into that. I'll just go ahead and turn the mic on over to him. So go ahead and give him a hand, and I'll leave the stage. Thank you. I've known Pastor Aaron for quite a while. <laughs> He's a good guy. I've been limited to about seven minutes, and uh, how many of you find it ironic for Pastor Aaron to limit the speaking time of, of anyone else? I find that ironic. So uh, last night I went too long, so I went back through and Took out every third word. I hope you can <laughs> hope you can make some sense out of this. Um, I have uh, this is the preamble, Pastor Aaron. You can't start the clock on me yet. <laughs> but I do have a caution. The three points I want to share with you about what I learned from my real life group, being a part of a committed group of people who are committed to loving one another and growing together in Christ, the three things I'm going to share with you are extremely simple, but they're very profound. So what I mean by that is you could hear any of these three points and just think, well, yeah, I know that. That's no big deal. But it takes revelation for that to go deeper, to really touch your heart and to really change you. So. I'm praying that that's what happens with you in a similar way that it happened to me. So my first point, um, the first two points that I have uh, occurred to me through me seeking God and not seeking God to change anybody in my real life group, but seeking God to change me. And when you lead people, you, you're faced with different challenges and struggles and all and in both of these cases, I was just saying, Lord, I'm not, I'm not adequate to the task. I, something has to change with me. And so the first one about a year ago, again, this is simple. I knew this, but something really happened in me. The first point is only through love. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says this, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. So what the Lord pulled me up short on was saying, Richard, you can have all of these agenda items and all of these things that you feel like need to happen in your real life group. And by the way, when I talk about a real life group, these points are relevant for any group of, of people that are trying to meet together to, uh, for the glory of God. That I could look at all of these different aspects and pay attention to them, but until I learned how to deeply love the people around me, nothing was going to work. Nothing. Nothing's going to work. And it's like it's just not going to count. It's not going to go anywhere. So love is a magnifier. Your gifting, your calling, the grace of God through you, the fruits of the Spirit, all are magnified and made efficient and effectual through love. The second thing, love is a filter. That's kind of what has already been said. It's only through love that all of who God is get expressed. You know, we carry Jesus around with us, but he only gets expressed through that love. The gifts, everything else comes through love. Once love becomes more of a settled issue, the next things work. And finally, love is an attractor. There's a word here that isn't used very much anymore. It's called winsome. Have you heard that word? Winsome is to be engaging and attractive to other people. And in case of us uh, relating with people, it's to win some. And the Holy Spirit makes you attractive to people through love. So they will know that you are Christians by my love. Okay? So that uh, really changed me and changed my heart to a deeper level to love people. The second point is God spoke the words shade and rest to me. And he took me to Ezekiel 17, verse 23. I think I have a slide that shows that. I was in a, at a uh, prayer meeting here at church, and I was seeking the Lord, and I was saying, how should I think about our group? How should I think about what we're doing? And I was frustrated about some things. I wasn't frustrated with the people. I was just kind of frustrated with, with the whole thing of the group. And the Lord took me to this verse, Ezekiel 17, 23. All kinds of birds will find shelter under the tree, they will find rest in the shade of his branches. So the Lord showed me that our real life group can be like a tree. A tree that provides shelter, shade, and rest for all that come under this, the protection of the tree. And so it really did something to free me up to think that the tree is available. If somebody comes and they don't come again for three months, that's okay. We're there to provide the tree, and it's available freely to whoever comes. And notice that all kinds of birds 
are in this tree. We have all kinds of odd birds in our group. <laughs> and I'm probably the oddest one. But they're all welcome. So I pray that each one of you will help contribute so that whatever gathering you're involved in will be like that kind of a tree that provides shade and rest. Uh, how many of you know we need that, especially right now? And the third point, again, a very simple point, we need each other. But I think we need each other in healthy relationships. And I define it this way. We're all part of a family, but we have a family business. So we have a business of representing the kingdom of God, of winning souls to Jesus. I think we're the healthiest when we're both at the same time, when we're a family, but when we're working in the family business. The large harvesters event that happened recently here, here at Journey is a good example of that. That was family engaged in the family business. And I think something special happens when that happens. Not just family, but engaged in the family business. So being in the family gets you into heaven. Working in the business gets you rewards. Okay? So, I used to, my view of Christianity, I used to shun away from the idea of receiving rewards. You know, it's like, oh, that's, I'm not doing it for that. I'm, not, I'm just not... I'm not in it for me. I'm in it for God and for other people. But the scripture says that when Jesus returns for us, he will have his rewards with him. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I thought, huh, that doesn't have to be in there. Jesus returning seems to be quite adequate. But he is excited about bringing rewards with him for you. He is the ultimate Santa Claus. Yeah? <laughs> he's excited. He's looking forward to coming and getting his bride. And he's looking forward to bringing rewards. And the Bible talks about a lot of different rewards. So I want to say that something is coming called the judgment seat of Christ. And if you haven't researched that, you might be a little bit anxious about that event. Judgment. Oh my gosh. But the judgment seat of Christ is only for rewards. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not to criticize, to point out, to show our, short, show our shortcomings to all of eternity sitting there watching. It's the dispersal of rewards. The only punishment that may be ahead of you in heaven is if you don't get many rewards. That's the closest thing you can come to a punishment. So there will be a reward for those who eagerly seek him. Look for his return. Get a crown of life. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So I want to make a point about that, about the rewards. If you help a child, if you help a vulnerable person, if you're just a nice, loving person, especially if you do it to the glory of God, through love, you will get a reward. The good things you do count. 
so eagerly look forward to his coming and to those rewards. And I believe that we'll be unbelievably surprised what receives rewards. And I think most of the rewards will be very small things that touch the heart of God. Not big, big things. So, kids, pet a puppy today. <laughs> I got a verse on that. Proverbs 12.10 says, good people take care of their animals. <laughs> so, be loving, be kind. There are rewards for doing that. So, one of the things that the Bible says, 12, uh, Proverbs 19.22, is what's to be most desired in a person is their kindness. So, I want to turn the microphone over to two of the most loving and caring people I know. Gary and Kelly Poole. So when Pastor Sean asked Gary and I to speak, we prayed and we asked the Lord what we should talk on and we had several different topics and ideas that we thought about. But we felt like the Lord kept bringing us back to Ezra chapter five. So in Ezra 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, At that time the prophets Haggai and Zechariah prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem, and they arose and began to rebuild the house of God. So let me give you a little backstory on Ezra chapters 1 through 4. So when Ezra opens up, the Jews have been held captive in Babylon for about 70 years because of their disobedience to the Lord, and Jerusalem lay in ruins, the walls and the temple had been torn down, but God put it on King Cyrus's heart to allow them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. So about 50,000 of them returned, and the Bible says the first thing they rebuilt was the altar. Now we can't miss the spiritual significance of this because you can't have a temple without the altar because the altar was where sin was dealt with and where forgiveness began and where we get our right relationship with the Lord. So it shows us the condition of the people's heart. They were right with God. They were putting him first. They were walking in obedience and they loved the Lord. And it says a few months later, they began to rebuild the foundation of the temple. Now the enemy took notice of their progress. He didn't like it. So he tried to get him to stop using several different tactics. And the first one he tried was through compromise. And when that didn't work, it says that he tried to distract them. And he even tried to stop them through fear. And when none of that worked, he went to the new king in Babylon, dis distorted the truth of what was happening in Jerusalem. And basically, the government came in and shut down the work. So the work on the temple was put on pause. Now, does that sound at all familiar to what we have experienced in the last year and a half? The government actually came in and closed our churches. They wouldn't allow us to meet. Now, in our case, it was for the purpose of protecting us from a virus, but there were many ministries put on pause. So when you go back to Ezra 5, years have passed, and the work on God's house was still on pause. And so the Lord spoke to the people through Zechariah and Haggai. And Zechariah addressed the people about their individual spiritual walk. But listen to what God said through Haggai in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. 
Now the Lord of hosts says this, Consider your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm, and your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. The Lord of hosts says this, Think carefully about your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be honored. So when the work on the house of the Lord was put on pause, the people turned their attention elsewhere. And the Bible said they began to build their houses. And so their home life got all their attention. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. The issue was is that years had gone by and the work on God's house was still on pause. And so without realizing it, the people had allowed this long pause to shift their priorities. And they had turned their focus inward to themselves instead of upward to God. And so the Lord and his house no longer had precedence in their life. And what God was saying in Ezra 5 was, it's time to stop the pause. So Gary's going to share a little bit of a pause in our life that we had at one time. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Richard, for those kind words. I think you got a reward right there, sir. All right. I wanted to give a uh, quick illustration of what uh, Kelly and I had experienced. Several years ago, Kelly and I decided to work on our basement, finish our basement, rather. And we, uh, we got excited about it. We went to Lowe's and went to Home Depot and grabbed a bunch of parts and pieces, 110 pieces of sheetrock, to, to say the least. Lots of material, and uh, we were real excited and fired up to uh, get the project rolling. Well, after about six months of great progress, uh, real-life distractions started to set in, right? That, that's typical. Things like that uh, happen. But, um, so we paused our project, and then we went off or back on, paused it, back on. Um, and then we made an intentional decision to get together, rehuddle and come up with a plan to finish the project. And we did so. Because ultimately, we knew that we were going to be having um, people stay with us. We had friends, relatives, and SOBs, sinners of the Bible. <laughs> that was my inside joke. Uh, for the past year and a half, it's been kind of crazy, right? We've been on, we've been off. As Kelly had mentioned, as she alluded to, the coronavirus and, and all that. Um, but we've been open, we've been closed, we've been up, we've been down, we've been confused, we, we left, right, whatever it may be. Um, it's been a hot mess. So, uh, and some of you may be on pause today, perhaps. Um, so, as she had mentioned in Ezra 5, the Israelites were on pause, and God wanted them to rebuild the temple. So let's bring that up to date, to modern day time right now. We're not rebuilding a temple, but we are building a church right here today and now. Like Ezra 5 as well, we've got great leadership. Pastor Sean, Pastor Aaron, all the different ministries that we have, uh, just, they do a knockdown, drag-out job. However, here's the key, they can't do it alone. So here's my landing. Uh, I challenge each and every one of you today 
to kind of just do a level check within your heart and ask yourself, am I on pause? Am I on pause? And if you are, I would highly encourage you to reach out to a ministry leader, seek and ask them to help you find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. It's simple. And by doing so, I promise you that you will be truly blessed. You'll be truly blessed. But don't take my word on it. Take his word, capital H. You'll be truly blessed and promised. Amen? All righty, team. Andrew? All right, so as Pastor Aaron said, I'm Andy Jarrett. Um, this is my wife, Nina. And so I've been going to Journey Church for a little over eight years. My wife, um, Nina, about four years. And um, so what we decided, it was pretty obvious that, um, that, was, that God was doing in our lives and that what, what we wanted to take this little amount of time to, to share about um, was with Joseph and Megan several weeks ago. Um, we did a marriage retreat, and the word that they spoke over us, the verse that they had, was Isaiah 43, 19. Um, so Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 is the verse that we wanted to share about. Um, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So that new thing that the Lord is doing in our lives was pretty evident right away. We knew that that was a word for us. And what we want to share with you about today is that we believe absolutely that the Lord uh, wants to do a new thing in your life, um, that that word is for each and every individual in our church, as well as just the body of Christ. And so um, for me, going back you know, 11 years and, and being a Christian uh, versus spending my whole life before that not being a Christian, the new, the new thing in my life was trying to live a godly life, um, you know, having some humility and being willing to, to kind of look back and see the mistakes that I'd made. Um, so, you know, you can kind of fast forward and speaking with them when we were going through this, um, you know, I'm a new husband, new father. We have uh, boys, Joseph and Caleb, who are one and two, Joshua and Caleb. Thank you. Um, Joshua and Caleb, uh, mighty warriors for the Lord in the making. And um, so it's real easy for me to focus on that being my main ministry is at home. Um, but I know that God wants to do a new thing in my life. And so personally, um, sharing my personal relationship with Christ with my wife and it not just being this personal thing to me, I know, and even just in worship before this, that that's what he's speaking to me about um, and being more open to that and going deeper. Um, immediately, we knew that that word was, was right for us. Uh, because we are, uh, might kind of sound like this is a home remodeling show um, here in, you know, that, that Gary and, and Kelly's example, but um, we are in the midst of a kind of a home construction, as it's been called, but a complete gutting of our kitchen, remodeling of the kitchen, um, as well as many other things going on in, in the rest of the house. Um, but that kitchen and taking everything out, I know that the Lord really spoke to Nina about, and she's going to expound on that greater. Um, but uh, Pastor Sean last week in his message talked about rewiring our identity. Um, with that kitchen, we removed or had removed every single thing out of it. 
and then have started to build it back with regards to the ideas and the layout and how things are going to go and designing it and then building it. But also then, um, you know, like he talked about, rewiring things. And there are so many more, um, you know, uh, pictures of what that looks like in the supernatural versus just the natural. But um, I know that God wants to do that in our lives, and that's how he starts us out as believers is that he strips away all those things, those behaviors that we know we shouldn't be looking back as, as um, verse 18 talks about in this one. And the message translation actually says, uh, with regards to the new thing, don't you see it? And so what I think about with that is that I've got to be looking for it. So I can't just be resting on the good thing that God did in my life 11 years ago, um, that I have other things that he wants to use me for. Um, so with regards to the home remodeling, again, um, starting with that kind of foundation, that structure is something that Nina is going to share upon. Um, but really, you know, having those things that God instilled in us when he created us and him building up from there with the new truth and the new strength in, um, in having the Holy Spirit and in walking with him, uh, those are the things that he wants to build upon. So I'll hand it over to Nina now. So the kitchen remodel is not done. It's, uh, it's still in the works, which means he's not done talking to us about things. And so it's, it's been so uncomfortable. It's been so inconvenient. And it's, um, it's disrupted a lot of the things that's, you know, um, that we've been doing in a normal day-to-day. Um, but he's given us the, the, the patient endurance and the, and the grace to be able to get through it. Um, because he wants to show us something through what's happening in the natural, what he's doing in us so that he can use it through us. And so Andy already shared the, the verse that was um, uh, spoken over our lives. In the English Standard Version, it says, um, remember not the former things. And it says, um, nor consider the um, old things. Behold, see, observe. I'm doing something new. And so... Um, as I observe what's happening in the kitchen, like he said, they t- they've taken out everything, including the lighting and the electricals, right? And so we're able to see the bare floor and see what's, um, what needs to be repaired and re- um, refinished and uh, re-strengthened and replaced. So that when the new thing comes in, um, it's not just going in there for show, that it is going in there knowing that it's not going to go crumbling down because our foundation is solid solid and strengthened. And so um, when um, uh, I continue to observe uh, what he's doing, he's showing us so many things, but he's had me focused on the electricals because God knows us so well. He knows exactly how to talk to us. He knows that I'm an internal processor, that I think a lot. Sometimes I think too much, but he said that I'm going to get this. So the electricals, they're about 25 years old. You know, they're very old. So they had to like remove all those old wiring and put the new wiring in and put the outlets in so that it's working and it's functioning the right way. And so basically what he's telling me is, Nina, you need to rewire your thinking. You need to rewire your mindset so that it aligns to my word. So um, I said yes to Jesus about seven and a half years ago. And so um, in that time, um, 
I, before, before I got saved, even to the last night that, um, before, before I said yes to Jesus, I was living a very worldly life. And, and so in that worldly journey, I have, um, taken, um, some roles or, um, um, I, I like to call them hats, you know, I've taken on some hats so that, and I thought that I'm going to be able to take them with me for the rest of my life to survive. So these are things like, you know, I've learned how to um, manage my own finances or, or lead myself and lead other people. I'm in the IT industry. And back then, especially when I was starting 90 or 95% of the, of the people in that um, industry are men. So I feel like I was forced to um, prove myself all the time. I was forced to compete. I was forced to always um, show that what I'm doing is better just so be, I can be able to keep my job. You know, so um, I've taken all of these things with me in this relationship, in this season of my life, where sometimes I've noticed that um, I would make a decision for the both of us, you know, or I would... Um, uh, um, take on a role because I think I can do it faster or I can do it better. And, sometimes, and somehow I've made this decision that I'm going to communicate with Andy the same way I've communicated in the, in the past because that's all I knew to do. That's all that was modeled to me by the world. Jesus says, you want this to be a kingdom marriage, Nina? I need you to rewire your mindset. Now, Romans 12, 2 says, um, do not um, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you know that verse, and I've, I've seen that verse many, many times. But somehow, it seems like God like kind of put a flashlight on every word of that verse to kind of show me something different. Because I have lived in the pattern of the world for about 30 years of my life. And he was showing me that he, when he was here on earth, he... Um, he lived in this earth, but he was not from the earth. He knows that there's a pattern of this world, but he's, not, he's, never, he's never conformed to the pattern of the world. Instead, he said um, he, he taught us or he modeled for us what the kingdom of God looks like. He kept saying the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. Because he wants to show us that this world has a different pattern. And I kind of want to talk to the uh, younger generations. I'm in the, uh, I'm a, 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 a millennial. And, but I'm kind of like a, one of those elder millennials. I'm in that borderline, you know. And so, um, but for, for the younger generations, can I just tell you that the world, the promises of the world is not worth doing. It really isn't. I have done all of it, all the, 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 the lower G-gods, you know, relationships, the, the career, the money, the, the, the partying, the, the drinking, trying the substances and stuff. None of them have given me any kind of, of fulfillment. All of them has, has brought me to this thinking that I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. All of them has gotten me through this thinking of there has to be something so much better than this. And God says, yes, there is. Be transformed to the renewing of your mind. Um, and I love that word renewing because it's a, it, you, we all know it's a verb. But what makes it so powerful is that the kind of verb it is that, that is ongoing, that it's, 
It's, it's, it's progressing, it, that it continues to happen. As long as I say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me, he's renewing my mind, right? And so um, I want to go back to Isaiah um, 43. Um, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. I am doing something new. And um, he's telling me, Nina, I need you to let go of those hats. I need you to let go of, 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 of those things. I need you to trust Andy. I need you to trust me. Because if you let go of those hats, it doesn't make you less than. It doesn't make you less important. It doesn't make you less influential. In fact, you can focus more on what I'm calling you to do. You can focus more. You have more time unpacking the gifts that I have given you, that you have left unopened because you're too busy focusing on taking on some roles that I've never called you to do in the first place in this season. I have one last thing, and I'm done, I promise. This is an old, um, or not old, but a, a popular um, illustration. And so as you probably recognize it, but, but for uh, some who's seeing this for the first time, the girl has a, a bear. Um, it's, it's, it's a bear that she loves. It's a bear that she's used to. It's a bear that um, she, um, she's holding on to because that's all she knew. God has something better for her, but she can't see it, so she holds on. You can go ahead and replace that bear with whatever it is that you're holding on to. God wants it, not because, not because he, he can't afford to buy his own bear, but because he has something better for you. And then he's, he's, he's asking you today, what are you holding on to that's holding you back? Not all of the old things are bad. Because there have been many miracles. There have been many healings in the past. You've seen his faithfulness in the past. But he says, do not dwell on it. Because I got something new. He says, behold, look. See, I am doing something new. Amen? Well, uh, guys, I have to follow all those really smart people. And um, you're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking right now, which is this guy doesn't look too bright. How about now? Um, <laughs> well, I, these are to, uh, to read my notes, which is good, because I kind of forget things uh, when I'm nervous. So anyway, my name is... Um, it's Andrew, <laughs> and I belong to that beautiful Disney princess-looking gal there in the nursery, and uh, she's usually chasing a little kid that kind of looks like both of us, so that's pretty fun. But uh, she told me today when I was practicing for this, Andrew, don't be too funny, um, which is good. So we're going to go ahead and talk about something a little bit more serious. When Pastor Sean asked me to do this, he said, uh, do you think there's something that God would be talking to you about? And I kind of did some thinking and praying and realized, well, yeah, it's around Thanksgiving and holidays can be pretty rough on a lot of people. Um, so just to be kind of serious here for a moment, there's something that's probably affecting the majority of the church uh, this morning. And it's not something that we're very proud of. It's something that we try to keep hidden. 
but it takes up space in our home and our life, and we just try to get it out the door, and that would be leftovers. Uh, did anybody have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, I did too. I love, uh, I love Thanksgiving. I get to eat too much pie. Somebody during last service said it shows. And, uh, and I love getting to spend time with my family. Uh, they're great people. I, I didn't get to spend time with my mother-in-law this Thanksgiving, which was a bummer because I love her. I hope she's watching this. Um, and she is one of those just bleeding hearts who loves adopting animals and, you know, wants to give animals a forever home. So this Thanksgiving, we adopted a turkey, and uh, <laughs> we named it Butterball. <laughs> if anybody has space in their fridge, uh, my family is now sponsored by Ziploc after this last week. But we're going to be talking a little bit today about leftovers, because leftovers are really, really good for a season, and then they're not, right? And so we're going to dive into Scripture here. Um, we're going to read a little bit in Exodus 16. We're going to read about how the Israelites needed something, and God provided for them because he's a really good dad. So uh, Exodus 16, we're going to read verses 2 through 5, 13 through 16, and 18 through 26. So the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. That sounds good. Uh, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Uh, they were accusing God. They were accusing Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for me. For you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. And on the sixth day, when they had prepared what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So it came about that evening that quails came up because God provided quails for meat as well, and they covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the ground of the wilderness, there was a fine flake like thing evaporated or fine as the frost on the ground, kind of like frosted flakes. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece, which was a unit of measurement, according to the number of persons each of you has in the tent, right? So God said, hey, Days one through five, gather enough for one day. Day six, gather enough for two days because you guys are going to have a Sabbath, which, you know, that's a day off. Um, Let no man leave it until morning, Moses said. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. Ew. And Moses was angry with them. They gathered at morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. And when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that's left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, and as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor were there any worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. If we could have the band come up, that would be great. So what we're getting at here, uh, the Israelites were used to generations of slavery, and it was something that God never designed them for. 
Uh, God had designed the Israelites to be his special people, to be his sons and his daughters, to carry out his command, and to live in harmony and provision with the Father. But the interesting thing is somebody made a mistake, and the Israelites ended up in slavery for a few generations. Now, when you end up in slavery for a few generations, you start to do things a little bit different. You start to think a little bit different, walk a little different, act a little different. But God was breaking slave-like dependence, and he was replacing it with childlike dependence. In the presence of God, uh, it's the only place you never have to grow up. So slave-like dependence said, oh, I wish we would have stayed in Egypt where the food was free. Uh, but the food wasn't free because they were paying everything for it. They were paying with their freedom. So instead, God was replacing that slave-like dependence with a childlike dependence that says, hey, uh, I'm your father. I love you. I'm going to provide for you. I have a really cute two-year-old, and uh, that, that kid never goes hungry. She always has a snack in her hand. I'm going to have to stop that one day. Um, but God was also doing something here, which is reinforcing a Sabbath. Uh, how many of you guys know slaves really didn't get days off? If you didn't know that, that's true. So God wasn't giving the Israelites a Sabbath to give them another commandment to follow. He was giving a gift to a people who for generations had only known hard work. He was giving them a day of rest. And so the idea that we're working with here today is that God has things that he's ready for you to leave behind in the last season. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we went through a really, really tough time. Uh, a couple years ago. It was one of those seasons where by the end of it, you feel like your muscles had just been tensed for, I don't know how long it was. But God's really good and he doesn't leave his people in slavery and he doesn't leave you in terrible seasons. And one of the things I noticed is that we came into a really, really cool season where we got to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, um, Something happened where I wasn't maybe ready to let go of the things that got me by in the last season, and so I still felt like my muscles were tense this entire time. And somebody would say something that, you know, maybe didn't mean anything, and I would, I would flinch a little bit like a, like a puppy that had been kicked too many times. And so my wife and I, we've started to do this thing where... Uh, we talk to each other and we say, hey, this happened at work. This happened with my friend. Is this valid, what I'm thinking, or is that just leftovers? Usually it's leftovers. And I believe that God has for each of us today to lay those things down. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about without even needing to say it. So my, my challenge, my action for you guys today is to clean out the fridge and sometimes that's a two-person job. I know in my house it is because my wife doesn't smell very good. And, and what I mean by that, <laughs> her nose doesn't work that well. Don't tell her I said that. Um, but her nose doesn't work that well. And so sometimes when we're clearing out the Tupperware, she says, hey, Andrew, does that smell, smell okay? Usually doesn't smell okay. Um, but I believe that uh, God has great things for us in this next season if we're willing to take him at his word and walk into it. So let's go ahead and pray here. 
Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for a wonderful church, uh, wonderful leaders, men and women of godly character that we can follow. Thank you, Lord, for your word, which endures forever and ever. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for your, your presence in our life. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.